have a seat, please? We're glad you're here. Come on in. I've got 37 pages and 32 slides to get through. We got to go. <laughs> hey, we don't do this this often, and, but I'm going to do it. We have an opportunity this morning to, to acknowledge somebody who's here. Caleb, would you stand up? Caleb Royce grew up in this church. He grew up through Redskins, made himself into Quest. Caleb just graduated boot camp and tech school for the Air Force. So, we just thank you for your service. We thank you that you're here on your time off. And more importantly, we thank you that you got a heart for God and you're sharing it everywhere you go. He's going to be going to Okinawa here in a couple weeks, right? A couple weeks, he can be stationed there for a couple years. I've had the joys of being there on two different occasions. It's a very different place, but it's a very cool place, and it's a place that needs to know about God, and that's why you're going. So this morning, we can see that Pastor Jeff and Debbie aren't here, which is great, not in a great way, but they've been able to have an extended vacation down in Georgia with their family. Pastor Jeff attended his first dance recital. <laughs> All right, so please continue to pray for him. Um, I haven't heard about the whole experience, but I know that he was rather excited to go. Um, so they'll be returning this week, so please be praying for their safe travels, that they're refreshed and renewed as they get back here. So in life, there's lots of debates, right? We've got debates over this, we've got debates over that. Well, most of you know me, you know, I'm a sports guy, I teach phys ed. There's debates on what the greatest team ever is. Right? It could be the 27 Yankees. It could be the 72 Dolphins who went undefeated and won the Super Bowl. It could be the 1992 Olympic Dream Team, which had Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and Carl Malone. They won every game by four, at least an average of 44 points in the Olympics to take home the gold medal. They went 8-0. There's amazing teams out there. You know, I like the humble teams, though. You know, I look at one of the best teams being the 1980 Olympic U.S. hockey team, right, who wasn't a bunch of superstars, but they were all per people who did their part, right? We've got superstars, and superstars bring that to them. When people do their part, amazing things can happen, and that's what that team was. It was just a bunch of young college kids who said, I'm going to do my part, and they accomplished things that they didn't think they were ever able to do. But all these teams aren't possible unless teamwork was involved. So this morning, we're going to talk about teamwork through the Bible, and there's several different examples of it. The first place we're going to look is 1 Corinthians 12. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Who's confused? <laughs> Serious. That's hard to unpack. And we're going to get into it, all right? So we're going to go away from it a little bit here, and we're going to get back into it. But the title of this message is One Body, all right? And that's what we are here, and that's what we are as a church as a whole. But before I go any further, we're going to pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. You are so good, and you love us so very much, Lord. I thank you that your word says where two or more are gathered, you are here, Lord, and that you can meet us right where we're at. If we're in our highs or if we're in our lows, Lord. We know that you can give us strength, that you can give us peace, 
and that you can be our comforter. Lord, we thank you for things you're going to accomplish today, the lives that are going to be changed, lives that are going to be changed towards you, healings that are going to take place, Lord, and we look forward to all this with great expectation. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So me being a coach, like I've coached several different teams. I've been part of different teams. I, you got to have your saying, right? So most of these you guys are going to be familiar with, but we're going to go through them quickly, right? There's no I in team. We've heard that before, right? There's no I in team. It's not about you, all right? It's about what we can accomplish. And then it goes a little bit deeper than that. It's not about me. It's about we. Right? Any team that's about me isn't successful. But when we look at the overall good of that team, and it's about the we and what the we can accomplish, that's when things get done. Then we got team. Everybody probably knows this one. Together, everyone achieves more. I'll tell you what. If I can light, this morning, they came into me and they said, Pastor Jeremy, we're running the incandescent lights today. Right on. I go, what's that? I said, you know what? I don't even need to know because the team is going to take care of that part and I don't got to do it. The team lightens your load, right? And when the team lightens your load, everybody achieves more, right? So I don't have to worry about that. Then we've got things that say the bigger or teamwork makes the dream work. This is my, my principles. It's on everything he puts out, all right? He's a huge teamwork guy, but teamwork makes the dream work. What's your dream? And I'm going to guarantee that you can't accomplish it by yourself. We can't. Because it's going to at least take you and God to accomplish it, which is a team. But that's often the most discounted team that we have. Because we don't put him in the first place to be making part of that team. So teamwork makes the dream work. What's the dream that God's given you? What does he want you to accomplish? And then lastly, the bigger the dream, the more important the team. God's got great things for this church. But that's why the teams are so important here. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So really, really important that we understand these things. God's got great things ahead for us. But it's about the team and what we're doing. Teamwork is the secret that makes common people achieve uncommon results. Teams are everywhere. Right? I just had the opportunity. Frank had some old videos from when this church was built. And we're going to end up pulling them out here shortly and let you see, right? But the teams that were in this church, it looked like ants. That's the only way I can explain it. Do, 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 just people doing stuff. Indoors, outdoors, moving stuff. That's why this was all accomplished. Because God brought teams here to do the work. And that's why we are what we are today. Teams are everywhere. Look at today. When you came in, you were greeted by the, door, by the parking lot. Then you were greeted at the, at the door by the greeters. Then hopefully you hit the ushers, right? We've got the sound team up there that makes us all sound good. we got the media team that gets their sl my slides up here so that I don't mess up. We have worship that sets us up for everything. We've got res kids that's teaching the kids at their level. We've got quests that are teaching the kids at their level. We've got the quest, or we got the cafe out there that's going to give you warm coffee. And you're going to be able to fellowship when you're done. We got the prayer team who's here at the end of service that can meet all your needs by praying scripture with you. There's a whole lot of teams in place here. So Pastor Jeremy, why are you talking about teams? Because we can do teams better. Right? Let's not be satisfied with our teams. Let's, let's get our teams aligned with what God wants them to be aligned with. 
So again, we're going to go back to this 1 Corinthians 12 here. We're going to talk about it a little bit deeper, right? For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. We look at those pins over there. Which one are you? Which little pin are you? And understand that if you're not there, the heart is not complete. We take you out. It's not complete. And this place isn't what it's supposed to be. We all have our part. We all have our part to show the love that God wants us to show here. Every physical body, right? You look at my physical body is one thing. I am one body. I am one person. This is even true with the body that's made up of different parts, right? So I am one body, but I have an arm that does my arm thing. I have an eye that does my eye thing. I have ears that do my ear things, but it makes me who I am, right? You are the gift of God that has been given to RLC. You have your gifts to be the body that Christ has us to be here. Each believer is one member of Christ's body on earth. God has given each of us different spiritual gifts. These gifts are given to us to bring glory to the Lord, and they allow us to be an important part of the church. We have opportunities everywhere we go, but will we make ourselves available to these opportunities? Plain and simple, it takes each one of us to do a part of God's team. We all have a fit, and we all have a function. My question is, what's yours and do you, are you accepting the privilege to be part of it? I've coached many teams over the years, from little tykes up to big guys, right? I've been part of many teams when I was in the Marines. I was on all sorts of different teams. I have teams with my colleagues at work. But being on God's team and fulfilling my God-ordained assignments has been the most rewarding, life-transforming team that I've ever been on. But in no way has it been easy. None. There's been laughter. There's been joy. There's been tears. There's been dread. There's been loneliness, tiredness, sacrificing, and dying to self. But I can tell you one thing. It's all been worth it. It's drawn me closer to God, and he's allowed me to be part of bringing people into his kingdom, which there's no greater privilege whatsoever. In the Bible, we can read so many different stories about teamwork. It starts right in the beginning when we look at the Trinity. God, who created the world and has all the plans for it, one part. Jesus, who came to the world, lived a sinless life and died for us, the second part. And the Holy Spirit, which is a gift from God to us that he put to in us to trust and lead and guide us. Who doesn't want to be part of that team? One place we can see all three parts of the Trinity is in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, where it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus immediately came from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, and enlightened upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All three parts are present there. 
It's absolutely amazing. We see Jesus getting baptized. We see the heavens open up. And then we hear God talking to him. Unbelievable. This is a Hall of Fame team. The Trinity has all three parts working together for the best interest of all. Another Bible, a biblical team that we can see through the Gospels is Jesus and his 12 disciples. They demonstrated selflessness and commitment to share the gospel, and they helped change the world forever. Jesus said, follow me, and they took and they joined his team. Not knowing what was ahead, not knowing the trials they would face or the sacrifices they would have to make, they just knew that Jesus was different and they wanted to be part of what he was doing. We can think about another team, one that if God didn't create, it could have possibly been the end of all mankind, and that's the team of man and woman. Genesis 2.18 and then 21 and 22 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. I'm thankful for my helper. <laughs> that was a missed opportunity there. I'm thankful for my helper, all right? So the Lord, God caused man to fall asleep into a deep sleep. And while man slept, the Lord God took one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made woman from that rib and brought him to man. I'm thankful for my wife. She's amazing. Absolutely. Yes, she is. She's not here right now. You want to know why? Because she's so amazing. Because she was supposed to be sitting in that seat supporting me this morning. She was supposed to be sitting right there so I could look at her and smile at her while I was preaching. And she could give me that little wink to let me know that I'm a track. But there was a sickness in Quest. And one of our leaders couldn't be there. So being the good teammate that she is, she said, I'll go take care of what I need to take over there. I know everything's going to be okay. It's about the team. It's about doing what's best for all. Not what, it would have been best for her to sit here. It would have been great for me to have her here. But what's best for all is for her to do and help where help is needed. We all have that opportunity. Who in this room isn't overly thankful that God created man and woman and marriage to create the family? Team that can be created through marriage can stand the test of time if grounded in God's principles and they're evenly yoked. Successful marriages are those where each member gives 100% of themselves to each other. It's not a 50-50 fight. If I only bring 50% of myself to the table, and Becky only brings 50% of herself to the table, we've missed out on a whole lot. But when we bring 100% of ourselves to the table, we can do what God's got for us to do. When we bring 100%, that's what's doing best for our family and not for ourselves. Then teamwork is put on display. Amazing things have the ability to happen. There are several stories in the Bible that demonstrate teamwork, but today we're going to focus on two. When we look at the Bible story of Nehemiah, it is nothing more than a miracle that he and his team were able to rebuild the walls and the gates. The previous wall that was around Jerusalem was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. Nehemiah rallied his troops and set forth to build a, war, a wall around Jerusalem to make it safe once again. When we look at Nehemiah chapter 3, 
which isn't up there because it's, oh my goodness. There's an overview of all the teams that were included in this project. There's between 43 and 45 different teams or groups of people that were included in, in finishing up the wall. He put each team to work to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Seems like no big deal, right? But let's add some perspective to it. All right? That's what they built. And it's fine print there. All those little green things that are around there, that's each group of people or families that helped to do that. The 45, between the 43 and the 45 different groups of families that helped to do that. Well, you're like, how long was this wall? This wall is 2.5 miles long. Which... Like, we think about it, it's like, oh, that's less than a 5K. That's not any big deal. Perspective. If you walk out the doors here, you take a right, and you go all the way down the boulevard, you're not going to stop until you get to Lowe's. That's 2.5 miles away. So that's how long this wall is. Right? When we think about the height of it, it's 40 feet high. And I got to hold a mark this week. And I'm like, how high are our ceilings? Because you bring the lifts in here. Our ceilings, the lifts we bring in, are, are 40 feet high. So we're looking at walls that are as high as the ceilings are here, or just a little bit less. And then, upon how long and how high they are, they were wide. Right? And I'm trying to, how do I get wide? They're eight feet wide. All right? Now, I'm six feet, and if I raise my hands, I can touch my eight feet ceilings at home. So this gives you just a little bit of an idea. I'm not going to lay on my side so you can see the thickness. <laughs> I'll tell you that. All right. All right. But just to give you an idea of what it looks like. That's me standing with my arms up. That's eight feet. So we got two lows, as high as the ceiling, as wide as I am. That's the walls they rebuilt with 45 different groups of people. Right? Not 45 people, 45 different groups. All right? But along with that, that, that wasn't enough. There was 34 watchtowers for security. And there was 10 gates that they built as well. So that people could get in and out. Let me add the most important part. They did all of this in 52 days. 52 days. Which is absolutely amazing. Right? That's the power of teamwork. Believe it or not, there were people that during these 52 days opposed what Nehemiah was doing. So not only were they building walls, they were fighting a war. <laughs> it's not enough that we just got to build. Now we got to fight a war at the same time. And I would encourage you to read this later. So I sort of paraphrased it. But it said, when Sanballat, I had to go through some punctuation, how to say this stuff. You don't even want to see how I've got it written here. And Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdaites heard that Nehemiah was planning to repair the walls. They became furious. They plotted to lead the army against Jerusalem to bring riots and confusion. But Nehemiah and his teams prayed to God and then guarded the city day and night to protect themselves. So Nehemiah's teams placed armed guards from each family in the cleared spaces of the walls that were broken down. Nehemiah then held meetings with his leaders and his teams and reminded them the purpose. Right? There's always a purpose of why teams are instilled. The purpose is to rebuild Jerusalem and to have it be safe, right? Remind them that the Lord is great and glorious and they are to fight for their friends, 
their families, and, and their homes. Knowing that Sambalat and his bad dudes were coming to attack at any time, Nehemiah had to put some strategies in place. He set up a defense so his teams were still able to work. When they returned to the wall, only half of the workers worked. The other half stood guard. The teams worked, but never, they worked hard, they built the walls, but they were never without arm's reach of their weapons so that they were ready to fight. Their weapons were either on them or close to them so that they could reach out for them because they didn't know when they were going to be attacked. You can see the amount of teamwork that was used in these scriptures. First, there's teamwork by praying to God. Then there's teamwork for those who were standing guard while those were working. We have teamwork of those 45 different groups of people working to d together to accomplish one mission to protect Jerusalem by rebuilding the wall. This reminds me of my time when I was in the Marines. We would be on patrol. It'd be 12 to 15 of us, and we would patrol to wherever we got to, and then we'd get to our patrol base. And when we got to our patrol base, it was a circle. It was 365, 360 degrees of defense, right? Each team would put one person on guard, right? So we had, if we had 12 teams, we had 12 people on guard to cover our whole circumference. Then the other people would dig your fighting hole, right? They'd dig our defensive position so that we would be secure because this is where we we're going to stay for a while, right? So same principles here. We've got somebody who's on guard and we've got teams who are doing work. Then somebody would come off work and they'd go on guard. The next person would do the work until the work was complete. In both situations, it was teamwork that allows for the walls or the fighting positions to be built. When we look at the definition of teamwork, according to dictionary.com, because that's out there, teamwork is a cooperative and coordinated effort on the part of a group or persons acting together as a team in the interest of a common cause. Their common cause was rebuilding the walls. Our common cause here is to show God's love to every person who comes through our doors and the people that we can affect outside of our doors. We see that Nehemiah's rebuilding the walls is a great example of this definition. But there's also another great example of teamwork in the Bible, and it's located in Exodus 17, verses 8 through 13. Where it says, At Revedem, the Amcolites came and fought against the Israelites. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go fight the Amcolites tomorrow. I will stand on top of the hill and watch you. I will be holding the walking stick God gave me. Joshua obeyed. Moses, he obeyed Moses and went to fight the Amalekites the next day. At the same time, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Anytime Moses held his hands in the air, the men of Israel, Joshua's men, would start winning the fight. But when Moses put his hands down, Joshua's men began to lose the fight. After some time, Moses' arms grew tired, so they put a large rock under Moses to, for him to sit on. And Aaron and Hur held Moses' arms in the air. Aaron was on one side of Moses, and Hur was on the other. And they held his arms like that until the sun went down. So Joshua and his men defeated the Amalekites in that battle. There's a lot to unpack here, right? First, there's a fight, which means there's two different teams 
who have two different ideas to make something happen. Right? Then we get Moses saying to Joshua, choose some men and go into that fight. My question is, who are you bringing to the fight? Who are you bringing to the fight if you got to go? He had less than a day to rally some troops to go fight. Who are you looking for? These aren't trained soldiers or anything like that. They might have had a little bit of a background. But you're going to go to people you can trust. People who have been faithful. Right? People who aren't going to quit. Who are you going to go to when you're in the fight? There's a key part here that helps the success of every team. Joshua obeyed. Moses told him to do it, and he obeyed. He didn't say why. He didn't ask how. He didn't say this makes no sense. He didn't mumble, grumble, and complain. He plain and simply obeyed, which means he trusted. Most of us do not obey because we don't trust. We have to realize that Moses and Joshua are on a team here as well. Moses has his part to stand on top of the hill with his hands raised to bring God to the battle, raising the banner. Joshua had his part to lead the men into battle. Then the next teams appear, Aaron and Hur. Let's take a minute, all of us, raise our hands. How long are you going to do it for? <laughs> right? How long are you going to do it for? Now, I'm not going to be awful to you and make you keep them up. Right? You can put them all down. Right? But if we had to do it, are we going to do it by ourselves? How long are we going to do it? If life's on the line, could you hold on that much longer? Right? With Moses' arms up, that next team appears, Aaron and her. The scripture says Moses raised his hand and Joshua and his men started to win that fight. When they raised the banner of God, Joshua and his men started to win that fight. When Moses grew tired and lowered his arms, those men began to lose that fight. So Aaron and Hur stepped up to provide a great help to Moses and Joshua by giving them a seat and holding his arms up. I can imagine that Aaron and Hur we're just standing there. I'm sure they were encouraging Moses, praying with him at the same time, praying for the battle. Although I was unable to find the duration of this battle, there is some information that gives us an idea. It says, after some time, Moses' arms grew, grew tired. It says that they held his arm until the sun went down. All right, so we got one day where Moses says, hey, go get your guys. You're going to fight. The next morning, all the guys show up. We start to fight, right? Arms go up. And at night, they win the fight, and his arms are down. Now, I know daylight, for on average, it's usually about 12 hours, if not a little bit more, right? 12 hours? We got to have people in our lives to hold our arms up, folks. We can't do it by ourselves. There's no way. It's not possible. For 12 hours, maybe roughly, right, they all were there holding his arms up. Let's add some more information here. Moses was 80. Aaron was 83. And Hur was old enough to be a grandfather. They don't give an age of him. 
These aren't some young bucks who just got out of the gym. Let's also add that it's in the middle of the Middle East, where often it's not cool. It's warm, and you can grow tired really, really quickly. There's a lot going on here. The teams were the success of this battle, each individual doing their God-appointed part in leading to victory. They all did their part obeying God and trusting God would do the rest. There are a lot of an errands and hers here at RLC. Those who pray for the elders and pastors, those who support their ministry area heads, but an errand or a her is part of who I am. I believe many years ago I was told to help the pastors of RLC, help support our pastors to fill the visions and plans that God has shown them, help support them through prayer and encouragement. Leadership is a lonely place. It's a hard job, and I believe that I was supposed to use the gifts that God blessed me with to help and support our pastors. Over the years, what help looked like has been very, very different. My definition of help and God's definition of help are definitely two different things. Never did I think I'd find my position, myself in this position today, but my question to you is, who does God have for you to help? Who does he have for you to support? And whose arms should you be holding up? So you may be asking yourself, why are we speaking about teamwork? Well, I can say the importance of teamwork is built off the messages we've been hearing from Pastor Jeff and that we heard from Mark last week. Pastor Jeff spoke about times and seasons, and Mark talked about how Jesus is coming back and are we ready. Part of being on a team is recognizing that Jesus is coming back. But he is not coming back till all the preparations are made. He's coming back for his people to be without spot or wrinkle, which means we all have to do our part and our parts of the team. We are believing for growth in new faces in our seats here at RLC, for people to receive salvation and be, live, become and live transformed lives for Christ. But we're not in that season of growth now. We're not numerically in a growth season. Sure, we're seeing new people come through our, our doors each week. But to see the harvest, as the Bible says, we have some work to do. We must be in a season of growth, focusing on building ourselves in God's word and building our teams so we're able to minister to the people that God has to walk through our doors at his appointed time. Are you ready? Mother Teresa said, None of us, including me, ever do great things. But we can all do small things with great love. And together, we can all do something that's wonderful. None of us are going to do this alone. But if all of us work in this together, unbelievable things are going to happen. We'll all do our part. I used to be on a team that looked very different than God's team. I used to be on a team where their slogan was, the few and the proud, the Marines. But what I can tell you is those are not the qualifications to be on God's team. God has a desire to use people who say less of me and more of you. Matthew 20, 26, and 28 says in the, in the Passion Translation, but this is not your calling. 
you will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of God did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Jesus was our example. He didn't come here for himself. He didn't have to suffer the things he did, but he looked at others. He had that servant's heart. To be a good teammate, we must have a servant's heart. When we think about the middle name of this church, life, love in full expression, that's a servant's heart. That's being a good teammate. When we show up, when we show people love in full expression, we help people to live out the vision of this church, which is to know God, grow in his love, and show that love to the world. So what does this look like? What are these characteristics? Characteristics of a teammate or a good servant, the first one you need is love. We are to love God, plain and simple. His word says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. When we love God, we'll keep his commands, which in turn will help us to love others. This is what we're called to do. John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. If we think about the love that God has shown each one of us, how much love should we be showing everybody we come in contact with? He's forgiven me and forgiven me and forgiven me. He's never held it against me. He's loved me when I've been unlovable. He's given me strength when I needed it. He's provided for every single one of my needs. He's loved me, so he calls me to love others. God is love, and to serve one another, we must love those God created. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather than serve one another humbly in love. We heard Mark last week talk about, is it our freedoms that get us in trouble, right? We're so free here that we don't use the opportunities that God's given us. Right here it says, do not use your freedom to indulge in your flesh. There's lots of things I want to do, but they don't all glorify God. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And you know what? That's not always easy. There are hundreds of thousands of American soldiers, airmen, sailors, and Marines who serve each day because they love this country and their families and want the best for it. They work within their teams willing to do what is needed to keep us all safe. That's love. Here at RLC, love looks like making every person feel like they're part of this family when they walk through the doors. That's the reason Becky and I are here. Years and years and years ago on Lanfrey Road on a, on a Wednesday night, we walked through the doors of this church for the very, very first time. And Angela and Joe Pelosi were there. And they welcomed us and they made us feel like this place was our home. And we haven't left since. 
Make people feel loved. Make them feel welcome. Make them feel like they're part of something that's bigger than themselves. Make them feel like God is here in love with them. Here at RLC, love looks like making every person feel like that part of the family. Always believing the best of them. Making ourselves available to them. To the opportunities God provides us to show love to his people. So first characteristic is love. The next characteristic is humility. God wants us to be humble, not the proud. And C.W. Lewis, a Christian, Christian author, says, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Right? God created us to be who we are. It's not thinking or demeaning ourselves. But let's take the, I say it this way, focus outward. Right? When I'm in my worst situations I've ever been in, in my life, and we get so down and low on ourselves, there's an easy way to flip that switch. Focus outward. Right? Mile 20, 24 of Ironman triathlon, right? After we're 11 hours into the race now, I got a mile and a half to go. It stinks. It hurts. It's awful. I go, oh, it stinks. It hurts. It's awful. My body doesn't want to go anymore. I can go, hey, focus outward. State trooper, thanks for, thanks for shutting the road off. Hey, thanks for the water you just gave me. When you change your perspective and you focus outward, it takes the pressure off you. It takes you thinking about you away. Jesus is a great example. He always put others first. He was so humble and such a servant, he washed the feet of his disciples. What king would do that? You know, we look at John 15, verses 13, and it says, maybe. There you go. Perfect. No. Did I screw up? My screw up? Perfect. Thank you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. On January 11th of this year, Navy SEALs conducted a visit board search and seizure mission out in the Persian Gulf area. And I'm familiar with this kind of stuff because this is what I used to do. <coughs> visit board search and seizure means that there's a boat and they don't know what's on the boat and bad things can be on the boat. So you board that boat and you take the ship over and then do an investigation of what's going on. So there was a little boat out there that they had thought that there was some bad stuff on. <coughs> Excuse me. And Navy SEALs came up beside it, threw their ladders up, started to climb up, and we all know that seas go like this, right? They don't just go straight. And the two boats were by each other. And I want to make sure I get it right. Chris Chambers there was climbing up the ladder, and the boat did a sway, and he fell off into the water. Which we wouldn't think is a, that bad of a deal, but it's in the middle of the ocean with two boats beside each other. And he's in full body armor, and he's got ammunition, and he's got a gun, and he's got a helmet, and he's got boots and fatigues and everything on. So as he fell off, Nate Ingram there says, this is my brother, and he jumps in after him. He laid his life down for his friend. He laid his life down for the guy who he fought next to every single day and trained for. Until today, neither one of them have been found. 
they're lost at sea. Our military lays their life down physically. There are so many stories that we're not aware of. He paid the ultimate price by laying down his life for his friend. Laying our life down for the majority of us isn't going to be a physical act. More than often, it'll be putting aside our own desires so that we can die to ourselves to become who God wants us to become. It often is setting aside the good things or our selfish desires and replacing them for the God things and what God wants us to have so that really we can actually live. We have to die to ourselves to actually live. Right? It says in the Bible that a kernel has to fall to the ground and die so that it can live. We see that with seeds when we put them in the ground. It's a physical thing for us too. We have to die to self. There's a lot of things, Shelby talked about it this morning, there's a lot of things she wants. Right? We all want the shiny thing. You know, that's why there's lines at the Apple store when the new iPhone comes out. All we want the latest and the greatest. Right? But it doesn't get us anything here. And most of the time, we got to go replace it anyways. But when we die to ourselves and we follow what God has for us, really, that's when we get to live. Another characteristic of a good teammate, and it's not going to make any sense, is weakness. God uses the weak because they will rely on his grace and his power, which works best. Over the years, I've become to understand that anything I do, I must rely on God for. When we are humble and accept who we are as individuals, we're weak. We can't and don't have the ability to. That's when the pressure falls off us and we can rely on God. Second Corinthians tells us, Christ tells us, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we try to do ourselves, we don't let God do his part. God's grace can be defined as undeserved favor. Grace cannot be earned. It's something that's freely given. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace, conversely, is getting something we don't deserve. As I stand in front of you today, I stand here in humility and weakness and realize each and every day that I can't do this on my own. I'm so grateful that God has showed me mercy and he doesn't give me what I deserve, which is death, because I'm a sinner. Rather, he shows me grace and gives me what I don't deserve by allowing me and us to serve him each and every day. One characteristic that most of us struggle with is trust. It's been said that the things we hang on to the tightest are what we trust God with the least. I chose this slide on trust because trust comes in steps. There's none of us, for the most part, who are going to come and trust somebody at the, the high T level right away. But we do have examples of this in our lives. Anybody who's got a dog, your dog trusts you no matter what. Right? Your dog trusts you no matter what. It's always going to come back. It's always going to be there. You could, it's always going to be there. But we as humans, we don't trust like this. We trust in steps. 
trust a little bit. We see, we see some fruit, we trust at the next level. We see some fruit, we trust at the next level. But to be a good teammate, we must trust. And trust isn't earned in a minute, it's given over time. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and you, in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We have a map in front of us. If we trust the Lord, we must take it. When we're able to trust in the Lord, it takes the weight off us. We're trusting the one who has the victory, knows the plan, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, will never leave us. When we can trust in God, we're able to trust leaders he puts in place and our teams that we're on and those team leaders as well. In our world, trust is earned, not given. But with God, we can trust does become easier because of his faithfulness. When we look and see all the things that God has done, we see his faithfulness and it's easier to trust him. I can go through in my head all the times where I've had to put unbelievable trust in God, and that's what helps me to trust him at the next level. Step after step after step. If it be something he did with my family, if it be something he provided me with, if it be healings that have taken place, whatever it may be, it's just another level of trust. The more we are with our teams and on our teams and we do life with our teams, the easier it will be to trust them as we grow tighter together. The best teams are those who trust God and each other. Another characteristic is faithfulness. Being a good teammate means that you can be counted on. Faithfulness is a factor quality of being true to one's word, commitments, as to what one has pledged, professes to do, or believes. Luke 16, 10 says, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. I look at this church, and there are several faithful servants in it. People who started at the lowest levels and just got them feet wet, their feet wet by just joining a team. And over time, God has elevated in them into leadership positions, and things like that, due to their faithfulness in the little things, he's given them more areas of responsibility because of how they were faithful with the littlest things. First, we must be faithful with what God has given us, work that to the best of our abilities with his strength, and then more will come. But often we go for the more, and we never get the opportunity to trust God because we're not satisfied with what we have. The last trait, and there's several, several more, but this is where I had to end today. The last trait of a good teammate is perseverance. Being part of a team or being a good teammate requires perseverance. When serving on a team, times are going to grow hard. Things are going to get tough. You may feel like quitting, but there's no gain in quitting. Quitting doesn't keep you on God's path. Quitting doesn't gain people to God's kingdom. You know, I, I've shared this before here, and I look out, and she's out there. There was just a bad day one time, and I said, I was in a meeting with Miss Lynn and some other people. I said, I, 
I just want Jesus to come and take me home. And she looked at me and she goes, you're selfish. She did in Miss Lynn way. She goes, you're selfish. It's all about you. And she's right. I was 100% because I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I didn't want to persevere. I wanted to quit. But I wanted to quit on safe terms because I knew I was going to be with, with Jesus, so it was okay. But she showed me a totally different perspective. She said, you, you go home with Jesus today. How many people are you not going to have the opportunity to impact? Right? The easy way out for us isn't always the best way for others. Think about that. The easy way out for us isn't always the best way for others. There's a lot of other people who need to hear about Christ. And we all have that opportunity. But you know what? There's times where we all feel like we need to quit. I was talking to some people right in here this morning. People who are going through tough times. Don't know how they're doing it. Don't feel like they're doing anything. They got to persevere through it. But the only way we persevere through it is to understand that it's with God and his strength. That we need to lean lean on him. That we're not going to do it ourselves. That when we feel like quitting, we got to have Aaron's and hers there to hold our arms up. We got to surround ourselves with people. But often when we feel like quitting, what do we do? We isolate ourselves. We isolate ourselves and we don't let anybody around. Because if anybody knows I want to be a quitter, they're not going to want to be around me. But the only way for me to persevere is to have somebody hold my arms up. You know what that takes? Humility. Asking for help takes humility. And that's what all of us got to do. We see it in the Bible, but why in this world are we so ashamed of asking for help? Dear goodness, I was doing Legos with my son, and they had 4,000 parts. If they didn't have that book there, I was in a heck of a lot of trouble. I need the help. Right? It's crazy what that is. But we need to persevere. And it would have been easy to quit building this thing, I'll tell you. But we never would have saw the end product. You know what our end product is? Our end product is bringing people to Christ. The most rewarding thing there is. The hard thing is, is we're not going to see that here on earth. We're not going to know our overall impact of it. But we get up to heaven. Hey, you know me? No, I got no idea. You were that guy. You said this. You paid for my cheese at Price Chopper. You gave me a ride. You prayed for my family. Thank you. And they're there. That's what perseverance is about. When we feel like quitting, when we can't go any further, right? We got to come up with it. So Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary of doing good. We all want to do good things, but it's not easy. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we don't give Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Walk the path. Ask for help. Persevere. Be good in your weakness. Right? We always got to present ourselves as these big, strong people. That's tough. 
It's really hard to act like you've got it right all the time. <laughs> it brings a lot of stress. But if you've got that core team, if it be your life care team, if it be your ministry team, if it be your prayer team team that you can rely on, those people you can go share with, then we get real with one another. Because we've got to live real life. Let's take off all this we got to look good stuff. We're all dirty underneath it all. Really, we're all struggling to some part. But somebody found out my struggles. They may think different of me. Yeah, they might think you're human. Really, they may think you're human. If you, if you don't show you got struggles, they may think you're Superman. That's a whole lot of pressure to live up to. Because you know what? He had to go in the, in the phone booth and change. <laughs> Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Life's not going to be easy. The one who stands the test. The person will receive the crown of life that the Lord promised them for those who love him. It's hard to persevere when we do things ourselves. But when we rely on God and our teams, it's easier not to give up. I know from experience that teams, successful teams, are built on sweat and blood and training in honesty, in weakness, in humility, during tough times when they didn't give up. That's when the most successful things have been accomplished. A good teammate seeks to make his team successful by putting the needs of the team before their individual achievement. This should be the desire of each and every one of us. So as we go back, we start to wrap up here. We look at 1 Corinthians again. It says, for as the body is one, we're all one. And it has memory, many members. That's all of us. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body also as Christ. There's no way in this church, in the church as a whole, if we don't do all of our part and be and work as teams, that we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. You know, as I was preparing this, I think about a visual because I'm a very visual type of person. And during COVID, my family, because we had so much to do, we did a lot of puzzles. Right? I don't know how you do puzzles, but the first thing I do when I do the puzzle is the what? The border. The border, because it makes everything easy. But God showed me it doesn't work that way. He showed me a puzzle like this. A puzzle with no borders. A puzzle with no borders, because you know what? When you get plugged in, the picture gets bigger. And when the next person gets in, the picture gets bigger. We put a border around it. We just capsuled what he could do. We've limited him. We're all pieces of a puzzle that's got no border, and it can do unbelievable things if we make ourselves available to him. Right? There's opportunity, but in opportunity, there has to be availability. What are we making important? All right? Please, in no way am I condemning anybody. Please, in no way am I trying to convict you. But there's a difference between a volunteer and a servant. Volunteers show up. Servants sacrifice. 
We're all, most of you, I can tell you, I've been doing, and you're going to see them, they're going to be rolled out here probably within the next two weeks. Kim and I, we've, we've developed 116 name badges. Those are all the people who serve in this church that we can account for. Now, people serve multiple times in different areas, and they've got their name badge for what they do. 116 name badges. Volunteer. Servant. Where are you? Are you showing up? Or are you sacrificing? Because being a servant isn't about convenience. Because you know what? I could be doing something else this morning. <laughs> Just to be honest. Right? Do I think about my ministry the one Sunday I got to do it? Or do I think of my, my ministry and pray for it every single day? Am I dreaming and believing that God's got bigger things for it? Or am I just going in and, good morning. Not conviction, not condemnation, right? But what did I say this was all about? This isn't about us. This is about all the people who aren't in these seats yet. And we got to get ourselves in order so that they come. All right? So check ourselves. Check ourselves. Volunteer or servant, where do we fall there? Am I just doing it out of convenience, or am I doing it with sacrifice? Is there a little bit of cost to it? Believe in this puzzle that's bigger than ourselves, that has no borders. What are you believing for God to do here at RLC? Is this all the people we want in our seats? Are you good with having nobody sit next to you? Because if they're not, the seat's not filled, then it's somebody who, who had the opportunity, isn't going to get the opportunity to come. Are we doing our part? Are we inviting people to come? Right? Because I know... I'm guilty as well. I got friends who, Jesus comes back today, they're not ready. Well, I can seat, 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 seat. There's Betty, there's Sammy, there's, they all got a name on them. And you know what? When they all get filled up, you know what happens? Then we go to second service, and there's more seats. You're like, that takes more work. That takes more teams. That's hard. You know what? You're right. You're right, it is. But for us to be the impact in Rome of what we're supposed to be, that's what it's going to take. All right, earlier this year, not this year, late last year, I was challenged. I was challenged by a question that I came up with. Somebody came to me, and I heard it in a different perspective. It said, if RLC wasn't in Rome anymore, would Rome notice if RLC wasn't here? Would they notice that we're even gone? Are we having an impact just inside our doors, or are we having an impact outside of our doors? Years ago, we had a tremendous impact outside of our doors. But you know what it took? It took teams. We're not in that level. That's not where God's got us at. We're in a growth phase, and we have to grow ourselves, and we have to grow our teams so that we can be this puzzle that's got no borders, that we can plug everybody in and we can have an impact bigger and greater than we could ever think or imagine and give all the glory to God because that's the only way that it's going to get done. So if you're with us this morning and you're not on God's team, with every head bowed and every eye shut, I want to give you that opportunity to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life and be on the team that's ever victorious 
Be on the team that's ever loving. Be on the team that has a plan and purpose for your life. And be on a team that is the greatest of all. If that's you and you're here in the sanctuary and you'd like to pray, please raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. For those at home, I ask that you also take this opportunity to take and join God's team. I believe everybody here has, but there's going to be people who are going to listen to this message years down the road because it's on YouTube, and we want to give them that, that opportunity as well. You know, it says in Romans 9, if you openly say Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised, was raised, raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So let's repeat this prayer together. Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness and surrender my life to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Please show me your path and help me become the person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for all the rest of us, right, because this is twofold here, right, we have Jesus as Lord and Savior. I ask that you search your hearts and pray about two specific things. If you're not on a team, which direction is God nudging you towards? And if you are on a team, search yourself and pray. Are you a volunteer who just shows up to do your duty? Or are you a teammate and a servant who's part of the puzzle and is directed to do it by God? This morning, if you prayed for salvation, I ask that you go back to where the prayer team is going to be. They'll have a special first-time acceptance gift for you back there. If anybody else has got any prayer needs, please go back there and they can pray with you. For those at home, online, if you've got prayer needs, you can go to reslifeny.org and go to our prayer request form. Fill that out there. And then um, please remember that tomorrow night is praise and prayer here at 7 o'clock. With that being said, the last praise and prayer we had was the biggest that I can ever recall. And that was the first day of prayer and fasting. And let's not make this an event-driven thing. Let's get out here and pray because that's what God's got for us to do. So that's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Great opportunity. And then we've got next Sunday. Please remember to spring your clocks forward and be here because we will miss you if you're not. All right, would you please stand up? Dear Lord, we thank you for today, Lord. Lord, you are so good. Lord, we thank you that this message went forth. We thank you for the seeds that have been sown, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that we search our hearts to see where we're at. Lord, we thank you for giving us these ideas and characteristics of what good teammates are, Lord. And Lord, how as leaders and teammates that we can make our teams better to serve you and the overall purpose of bringing more people in your kingdom. Lord, as we go forth today, Lord, we ask that you give us opportunities, Lord, but yet that you help us make ourselves available in those opportunities, Lord. Lord, we ask that we do God things and not good things. Lord, we ask for you for strength and wisdom and knowledge in all the things we do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for being with us.